Thank you for tuning in to the Radio Bible Course. We're reading today from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered, not into a sanctuary made with hands, a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy place yearly, with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly, since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. In the preceding text, preceding the passages which I have just read, We have seen that under the law almost everything was purified with blood, and forgiveness of sin was based on the shedding of blood. The priests in Judaism were busy continually offering sacrifices for sins. They used animal sacrifices. The blood of the animal made atonement for sin. Atonement means covering. There was no forgiveness then, The sins were not taken away, they were covered, however. Now the Jews did not invent this formula for sin. It was given to them by God through their prophet Moses. He wrote in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And therefore God prohibited the consuming of blood, because the blood was the life of the animal. You see, God is not bloodthirsty. Blood of animals was required to teach man the price of sin and to portray the necessity of the Son of God to give up his life to save us from our sins. Those sacrifices foreshadowed the coming of Christ. Now in verse 23, the writer says thus, It was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things, copies, Of heavenly things, yes, the things on the earth, that is, the animal sacrifices and all the temple worship, it was necessary for that to be purified by the rituals conducted by the priests. But he tells us the heavenly things themselves have to be purified with better sacrifices than these. Well, blood purified the sanctuary on earth. It was a physical copy, however, of heaven's sanctuary, which is not material, but spiritual. And in verse 23, he speaks of cleansing some things in heaven. What, we ask, needs cleansing in heaven? Isn't heaven pure and perfect? Can anything or anyone enter God's presence with impurity? To understand this passage, I think we must recognize, first of all, that heaven is not a physical place, It is a spiritual place, and those who enter it will have glorified bodies, which are spiritual bodies. Oh, they're tangible, but they're not of flesh and blood. For we have learned that flesh and blood cannot 
inherit the kingdom of God. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now, in that same context, we are taught that if there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. Whatever, then, defiles heaven and requires a purification can't be physical. The context of Hebrew 9 does not reveal the author's concern for cleaning up heaven. For in verse 24, he instead points out that Christ has appeared in the presence of God for us. He says nothing to indicate any pollution being there other than us being represented by Jesus Christ. Now, us may be the key to understanding the problem. We are the problem. We are sinners. And a record of our sin is in heaven. When Christ ascended into heaven and entered the presence of God, he symbolically took believers with him, and the record has been expunged. Christ blotted it out. It's erased. God made us alive together with him, we read in Ephesians 2.5, even though we were spiritually dead in our trespasses. And he raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. At the end of that chapter in Ephesians, we are told that Christ is the cornerstone in whom the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built into it for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Since redeemed sinners are the dwelling place of God, should we not expect a purification to make us fit for it? Of course we should. And Christ did that when he gave his life for us. We are not trying to be purified. We are purified, cleansed, and forgiven, made children of God, made fit for heaven. And on and on it goes. Many are the accomplishments of Christ's crucifixion for us who were completely lost, but who have believed in Christ and now are completely saved. Now, next, in verse 25, the author wants again to emphasize the superiority of Christ's sacrifice, superiority to that of Israel's high priest. He writes, Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy place yearly, with blood not his own. Christ never need repeat his sacrifice. The high priest, every year, year after year, offered blood which could not take away sins, nor could it clear the conscience. Christ, however, offered himself once, and he solved the sin problem eternally. Now that's what I call security for the believer. It is based on Christ's work, not the believer's. By virtue of the fact that Christ ended his effort with one offering, means that nothing further remains to be done to perfect the believer, and that, friends, is good news. That means we are therefore complete in him. And if we didn't know it from this passage, we know it from Colossians chapter 2. And since 
there was only one sacrifice, we must conclude that it took care of more than past sins. It includes every one of your future sins also. If it did not, how can the Bible say we are seated with him in heavenly places? We'll read that in Ephesians chapter 1. Will your seat in heavenly places be forfeited? Now, the gospel is defined by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as Christ dying for our sins according to the scriptures, being buried and raised on the third day. Neither here nor elsewhere are men told to believe in Christ for the remission of only past sins. When I believed in him, it was for eternal salvation, not in order to clean up my past. I'm leaving the past, and I'm walking into the future. Anyone who promises heaven in the future must have a remedy for the obstacles which are in our future. This Christ did, paying every debt of sin I could ever owe. How could the believer have peace with God if future sins kept him in jeopardy? He couldn't. And Christ would have had to suffer repeatedly. Now remember David's words in Psalm 32, which Romans chapter 4 translates this way, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not reckon his sin. The Christians, sin debt was paid in advance. Christ appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's what it tells us in verse 26 of chapter 9. Now, that was 1,900 years ago when Jesus appeared at the end of the age. What age? The end of the law age. 1,400 years had elapsed since Moses gave the law that required death for sin. And at the end of that age, he appeared and he ended the law by being sacrificed for the sinner. The debt was paid in the first century. Since sin has been put away, how can the believer be charged with sin? Now, the devil does not want you to believe this. A debt paid is a debt that no longer exists, and if Christ paid it, then it's gone. When the Christian sins, he is told to confess, not to offer a sacrifice. He confesses because it has already been paid for. And that confession is for harmony and peace with God. Christ's sacrifice had no deficiency that required a second or a third try to put away sin. I'm sure you are aware of people who believe they are Christians who consider that the communion service is a reenactment of his sacrifice. Now that's a contradiction of verse 26. Listen to verse 26, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. People who understand this verse spend most of their time thanking God for the fact that their sins have been taken away. That's what the verse tells us. He sacrificed himself at the end of the age, to put away sin. And people who are concentrating today on sacrificing Christ, they don't understand what he has done. If you want to honor our Lord, 
You need to accept the fact that he offered himself once, he entered heaven, and he sat down to symbolize fulfillment of all things. We honor him by recognizing his completion of a single sacrifice. When we take the bread and the cup in our communion service, it is to remember his death for the sins he already paid for, not to re-crucify him. Don't think of Christ as making sacrifices for you in heaven. He did that once, and he did it down here. Before we close, I want to tell our listeners about some free offerings from the Radio Bible Course. As you know, the Radio Bible Course is an independent Bible teaching ministry located in Baton Rouge. Because of the generosity of Christian friends who love expository teaching of the Word of God, we have been able to publish booklets and give them to our listeners free. Be sure you write for at least one of them today. I want to tell you first of all about our latest booklet. It's called Heaven's Password. It is a study of the critical word of salvation. It will bless you and strengthen your faith. Write for a copy. Ask for Heaven's Password. It's free. The other booklet is entitled Grace. It's one of the great words of the Bible. You may think you understand something about grace, but you'll know much more after reading this short booklet. It's free. Write for your copy. Ask for the booklets, either Grace or Heaven's Password or both. Until next week, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.